Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. Welcome to Impact Cyber Church. This week, we're going to be talking about something that I think is crucial to every person that's trying to walk with God. We're going to be talking about the good fight of faith. Now, this could be called the truth about spiritual warfare, but if I use a title like that, I know people are going to think, oh, I know what this is going to be about. I know what he's going to say. Let me tell you something. When we're fighting what we call spiritual warfare, we're probably really not fighting the good fight of faith. And the good fight of faith, you always win. Good fight of faith, you can always come out into God's promises. So today, we're just going to take another step in seeing God how He really is, seeing Jesus how He really is, seeing ourselves as we really are, and seeing the devil as who He is, defeated by the Lord Jesus Christ. So listen, don't go away. Come right back. Get your notebook ready. You're going to take a lot of notes. You're going to do a lot of research. I'll be right back. Man, I got a great download for you this month. It's fight your very last battle with the devil. You know something? I'm going to teach you how to live in victory. No more fighting with the devil. No more screaming at the devil. No more chasing demons around. You're going to win a victory. It's going to last forever. Listen, just click right here right now and get this free download. You know, one of the places where we unintentionally probably deny what happened at the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ more than any other place could possibly be in what we call spiritual warfare. Because in our modern version of spiritual warfare, we have an overestimated view of the devil. We don't acknowledge Jesus' absolute victory at the resurrection. And we engage ourselves in a struggle that really only exists in our mind. Now, I know right now some of you are ready to turn off the set and stop watching this. But listen, hang in here with me because you really want to see what the Bible has to say about the real biblical concept of spiritual warfare. See, we know that we're in a struggle. Everybody knows that we're in a struggle. We understand that the Bible uses the metaphor of warfare and of doing battle and wearing armor. But the problem is we take all of that and twist it into something that, that it really doesn't mean and really can't be proven out and actually violates the absolute truths about what Jesus did at the cross. So it really does become devastating to our faith. The problem is there's enough places that we can look like, you know, put on our spiritual armor. And we look at that and go, okay, then, then the logic behind that, if I'm putting on this armor, then I'm going to go out here and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into a fight. Well, there is a fight and you're going to learn what that fight is. But that fight is not with the devil himself. That fight is not where you're trying to fight demons out of your life, fight demons away from you. It's what the Bible calls the good fight of faith. Now, the Bible doesn't say to fight the good fight with the devil. It says that we should fight the good fight of faith. Now, the good fight of faith, you know, the word fight there really just means any kind of struggle. It doesn't necessarily mean like a fist fight or, or going to war. It's talking about something that is a struggle or something that becomes kind of a contest. And I want you to realize this. The real battle that we have and the fight that we have is the labor 
to enter into rest. The book of Hebrews teaches us that when we come to the place of faith about any particular issue, that we cease from our own labors and we enter into rest. Why? Because we believe something in our heart. And then once we believe it in our heart, it is going to manifest in our lives at some point. But the moment we believe in our heart, we have taken possession of it. We own it. We know it's ours. The struggle is over. And so the warfare or the battle or the struggle that we're going through is that struggle of what it takes to persuade my heart of the truth. That's really what the good fight of the faith is. Moving from information to hope and then eventually to the place of faith. And I tell you, most of us live in hope and we think that hope is faith. You know, I'll have people say, man, I really expected this. Well, you know something? Hope expects something to happen. Faith is immovable about the fact that it already has happened and that it absolutely is mine right now. So listen, here we go. Chapter 6, verse 11. Paul is talking in the previous verses, you know, about people who get into greed and, and selfishness and all this. And remember something, the ultimate destruction for mankind comes from selfishness. Anytime we move into selfishness, we have opposed love. Therefore, we are opposed to God because God's word, God's truth, God's nature is only works, if you will, or his word only works when we're applying it by love because love is his nature. So, He's talking about, you know, people who get into greed and they destroy their faith and they pierce themselves with sorrows. It says, but you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness. You know, there's, there's a whole movement out there that just basically says, well, you know, I've been made righteous in Jesus. I don't have to pursue righteousness. Well, you know what? We have been made righteous in Jesus, but the word righteousness is one of those words that is a continuum. It moves from the place of something we possess to the place of something that we put into practice into a way that we live. Now, we're not earning anything from God. We're just affecting the quality of our life. So he says, there's some things we should pursue. We should pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Now, that word eternal life sounds like it's saying lay hold on getting born again, but that word eternal life comes from Zoe, which is talking about this quality of life that God offers us. He's not telling you, old man of God, to try to get saved. He's trying to tell you that really you don't have to be greedy and selfish and self-centered, and, and you don't have to pursue all these destructive quests to be happy and gratified in life, but walk in love, be patient, and walk in righteousness. And he says, and basically, Basically, what's going to happen is you're going to lay hold to the quality of life that God possesses. And he says, to which you were called. In other words, you're called to this and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So we've got to understand what the good fight of faith is. And obviously, the good fight of faith. What is faith? Faith is not attacking the devil. Faith is not binding up demons. As a matter of fact, the scriptures of binding and loosing that people use when trying to do what they call spiritual warfare has nothing to do with the devil. It has nothing to do with fighting the devil. It has to do with getting our hearts in agreement with what God has already established in the heavenlies. And when we bring ourselves into agreement and use our authority as believers to say, okay, Jesus accomplishes at the cross, so this is what I speak into being. Jesus forbade this at the cross, and so I forbid this in my own life. And that's all binding and loosing really is. It, you know, we take these scriptures out of context and apply them in places that they have no application, and we come 
up with strange doctrine. See, nowhere does the New Testament teach us that there is a contest between you and the devil or between devil and God. But I'll tell you something. There is a contest between sin and righteousness. There is a contest between good and evil. There is a contest between light and darkness. But in light of what we've already learned, we can't really interpret that to be a battle with the devil individually. This fight of faith doesn't take place out there in the heavenlies. This fight of faith takes place internally. I don't know if we'll have time to go into it, but I want to tell you something. Everything that I have ever heard that we have been taught, you know, from the book of Daniel about the prince of Persia and the prince of Grecia and the prince of Rome and these different demons being princes over different areas and having dominion over those areas. I just want you to know, none of that's really true. None of that's what the Bible is saying. The Bible links this demonic oppression with the rulers of those countries because those countries or those rulers, align themselves with godlessness. Satan can't do anything in the earth unless people align themselves with him, align their beliefs with him. We don't have any struggles beyond the fight that we have between trusting who God is, trusting what Jesus has done and his promises, or trusting the way of the world. See, this fight of faith is all about trusting God's word, about ethics, morality, righteousness, peace, and joy, instead of the world's conquest for passions. You know, there's a scripture in Matthew 11 where it's teaching about the kingdom of God. And Jesus is basically teaching that you can't take the kingdom by force. And, you know, at the end of this passage, this sermon that he's preaching, he says, look, come unto me if you're tired, you're worn out, you're burnt out. I'm going to give you rest to your soul. Well, it's in that very sermon where he says, he says, uh, you know, from the time of John, the kingdom suffered violence and the violent take it by force. Man, how many sermons did I hear back in the 80s and 90s, uh, even the 70s, that said, violently take the kingdom. Go in and take the kingdom. Go in and fight the devil. Find and it's like, that's not what he's saying. He's saying this is the way violent people have done it. Violent nature people think you can take this by force. But he says, but I'm going to show you a better way. And he juxtaposes the idea of trying to do things by force or harmonizing your life with him and taking his yoke upon you so that it's based on what he has done. He carries the load. He pulls the load. All we do is sync up with what he's already done through the death, burial, and resurrection. See, we have what I call a one dimensional, linear concept of faith. And really for the last 50 years, we've almost reduced faith to just being able to get a miracle or just being able to get a healing or faith to convince God to do something for us. I'll tell you something. Faith is first and foremost, trusting the nature and the character of God as represented by the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah 53, when it tells about the great exchange where Jesus becomes sin on the cross and takes all of our punishment and, you know, we get his righteousness. He takes our sin. He gets our punishment and we get his promises. And it talks about this great exchange, but it begins that chapter by saying, who has believed our report. That's the whole struggle right there. Do I believe God's report about who he is? Do I believe God, Jesus' report? about who he is and who he says that God is. So faith then gets into believing the word enough to apply it to our lives. You know, to walk in generosity instead of greed to make sure that I always have more than enough.
to walk in love instead of selfishness to make sure that I always have whatever I need, to walk in kindness and mercy instead of judgment and criticism. You know, this is the thing, to walk in patience instead of rushing in. This is the struggle. Do I trust who God is and do I trust Him enough that His Word is the way to this quality of life that the English calls the eternal life, but the Greek calls zoe, the quality of life possessed by God. So you say, okay, if the way I've been doing spiritual warfare is so messed up, how do we do it? Well, our concept of spiritual warfare right now are basically a mixture of Old Testament events. In other words, they're prior to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And even with many of those events, just like what we did with the book of Daniel, we twisted that around. You know, we got this idea that there's just demons floating around up here somewhere in the heavenlies who have authority over certain countries and regions. No, they don't. That's nowhere to be found in the Bible. As a, as a matter of fact, just the opposite is found in the Bible, where it teaches us that angels have no authority over man. They have no authority in planet Earth. Man has authority in planet Earth. The moment you go to the place of giving the devil or demons authority anywhere in planet Earth, you have violated one of the absolute truths by which we must function as responsible believers. The moment I pretend or convince myself that Satan has some power or his demons have some power or authority on planet Earth, then I've violated one of the essential factors that makes it possible for me to absolutely live in victory. So we got these Old Testament concepts. We even have to ignore Old Testament scriptures to come up with some of these concepts. Then we take those concepts that have been extrapolated and they start with a true scripture, but they get mixed with religion and culture and, and mysticism and the occult. And then eventually they're not even true anymore. And that's what extrapolation is. It's starting out with something that's true, but through your logic, you eventually reach a place where it's not true. And then we bring that over to the New Testament and lift scriptures out of context to try to link them together, totally ignoring the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So it's this mixture of unbelief, religious superstition, the twisting of God's Word, and several other factors, all of which totally ignore the cross of Christ and His absolute victory over the devil. Remember, the absolute truth. We've already talked about this. I'm not going to review all of them, but just remember, absolute truth. Satan was stripped of all principality and power. He was cast out of heaven. He is running to and fro because he's panicking. He knows that he has already beaten him. He has no chance of winning. He is under Jesus' feet, and we are in Christ, therefore he is under us. He does not now, nor has he ever had authority over man. Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth. We can't give the devil something that we don't have. So, this means in a lot of these absolute truths, no matter what my subjective experience is, I can't come up with doctrine that violates or ignores these absolute truths. It's just that simple. And, you know, the sad thing is, you know, the Bible talks about the danger 
of private interpretation. And private interpretation is when we interpret God's word in a way that fits our preferences, it fits us. We have an interpretation that is designed for us and it's not based on the logos. It's not based on every word of God having to connect together. Every word of God confirming every other word of God. Every word of God only being true in light of every other word of God. You know, most of our problems always get back down to, number one, the lordship of Jesus. Number two, understanding what the lordship of Jesus means. That it determines how I see God, how I interpret the word of God, and what I yield to in my life. So the Bible uses this word. It's a word that we twisted like so many words. But it talks about submitting yourself to God. Now, the word submit is one of those words. You know, we quote these scriptures about, you know, wives, submit to your husbands. And somehow or another, we come up with this concept that that's total obedience, whether they want to or not. But, but yet, we husbands don't want to submit to God by that definition. We, we want to do our own thing. We want to do it our own way. You know, the, the word submit is more about having a yielding attitude, always having an attitude and a willingness to yield, to give up your preference, to give up your opinion, to give up the way you see things, the way you want to do things. So the book of James in, in James chapter 4, verse 6 says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, the problem is, when we think about who the humble are, we think about people who are beat down, who are oppressed, and that is not what humility is. Listen, I'll be back in just a minute to show you what humility is and show you how to have victory and show you how to win this battle. Don't go away. My brand new series on Satan Unmasked is going to open your eyes to who Satan is since the resurrection of Jesus and show you how to have absolute victory all the time. No more fear, no more dreading, no more thinking that he's going to attack you, no more living in guilt and condemnation. Listen, the days that lay ahead, if we're going to live as overcomers, we've got to know who God is. We've got to know who Jesus is. We've got to know what we have in Jesus. And we've got to know who Satan really is. And I'm going to unmask him with the word of God. And for the first time, you're going to see who he really is. You're going to see and understand what really happened to him through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And you're going to understand your victory in him is absolute. I mean, I'm telling you, it is a done deal. This is going to make walking with God where you don't even have to consider what the devil's doing. You don't have to worry about what the devil's doing. You're going to be free to focus on God and all of his promises. So in that same verse, it says that God resists the proud. Now, we take that word resist when it's used in another place where it says resist the devil and he'll flee from you. We take that word resist and we twist that. We improperly translate or interpret that to mean to attack the devil. Well, you know something? God is not attacking the proud. You know, the word resist means to stand in opposition to something. It's sort of like this. The proud man is moving this way because this is his view and opinion moving him this way. God is moving this way so they are directly opposed because of their different points of view, because of their different direction. Now, the proud man says, no, this is what I experienced. All I know is this is what happened to me, and this is the way it is, or, or this is what my daddy taught me, or this is what our denomination teaches. And the proud finds some reason to keep moving in his direction, even though God's not moving that direction. But you see, the humble person 
submits himself to God. And then the Bible says that God gives grace to him. God gives him strength and ability to walk in whatever truth he yields to. And then it goes on to say, or resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, when you're resisting God, you are moving in the same direction the devil's moving in. You may not think it's demonic, but it is. Because if it's not based on the word of God, as Jesus showed us, then it's demonic. It's religious, demonic. And so you're moving in this direction. So you are resisting God. You're set yourself in opposition to God. But now, whenever you submit yourself or humble yourself, you now turn and you're now moving with God, which means now you are in opposition to the direction that the devil's moving in. So you see, the good fight of faith, faith is about believing the truth. The moment I choose to believe the truth and begin to move the way that God would move, have me move, then now I am resisting the devil. It doesn't matter how much you scream at the devil. It doesn't matter how much you bind. It doesn't matter how much you lose. It doesn't matter how much of those spiritual gyrations you go through. You are not resisting the devil until you align yourself and are moving in the direction that God is moving in. And when you begin to walk with God, because now you're yoked up with Jesus, when you begin to walk with God, you align your thoughts, feelings, beliefs, opinions with God. Now, the devil is going to flee from you because he has no power. Remember, his only power is deception. You know, it's interesting in Matthew 5, 38, where Jesus goes to all of Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, he compares the legalistic wranglings that the Pharisees had twisted into the Word of God. And he says, no, I'm going to show you this is really a righteousness that far exceeds anything they've ever known because this is, is based on love. He says, you have heard that it was said. Remember, if you heard that it said, then it wasn't written. It says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, let me tell you something. In the civil legal system that God established, that's how it works. If somebody tries to sue you for $1,000 and they lose the lawsuit, they should give you $1,000 according to God's justice. If somebody kills your husband for the rest of your life, they got to provide the income that your husband would have provided for you if it was done intentionally. So in the civil law, yes, that's saying, but for individually, he says this. He says, but I tell you not to resist the evil person. And again, that word resist is, is taken into a context that says to fight against. So if God is telling us to not fight against the evil person, why? Because he wants us to be like him. So that's how we know that that word resist, when it says he resists the proud, is not about fighting against the proud. And when he says to resist the devil, he's not telling us to fight against the devil. And the real truth is if religion hadn't tried to take over the world and establish this carnal kingdom by force, if we had focused on ourselves and, and became more like Jesus and walked in love and, and touched the world, then the truth is we would have already won this battle. Jesus would already come back. And honestly, it would all be working. Listen, I'll be back in just a few minutes with a mentoring moment. Don't go away. Listen, if you really want to unravel all this in your life and you want to live in the victory that Jesus has given you, be sure and click now and download your series of Satan Unmasked. I'm telling you what, victory is yours. It's time to start living it today. I want to invite you to a 
outstanding meeting that we're going to be having in Edmonton, Canada, promoted by Docs and Ministries there. We are going to be having a Dignity and Worth seminar. I want to tell you something. Dignity and Worth is one of those foundational truths that once you have a biblically-based sense of self-worth, so many other factors in your life begin to come together. As a matter of fact, you can just end so many of life's struggles just by knowing who you are in Jesus and being able to experience who you are, feel right about yourself, feel the love of God. And we're going to have a workbook for you. This is going to be tremendous, and it's going to start on March the 31st, and it's going to go through April the 2nd. If you're interested in attending that, you can check our website or you can check Doxa Ministries in Canada. You don't want to miss this. This is absolutely going to be a life changer. Hey, now just remember, if you're watching this on YouTube, I want you to like this program right now. Just click at the bottom of your screen there and like this program right now. And at the end of this, be sure and subscribe to my YouTube channel because we want to reach 1 billion people and turn them into disciples for Jesus. And the more people that like and subscribe, the more people will see this message. Now, one of the jumping off points where we just go crazy with this demon fight and stuff is in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. First of all, he's not a roaring lion. Remember, Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Satan is only a deceiver. He has no power. He has to find ways to make himself appear greater than he really is. And we don't have time to go into all the ways that happens. In the series, I'll be talking to you about how this actually happens. And if you want to go dive deeper, be sure and get the series because I'm telling you, you're going to take a journey that will never, ever, ever, ever allow you to be afraid of the devil or lose to him again. But he's not a roaring lion. He walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. In other words, he's trying to find somebody that is ignorant of the truth, somebody that is ignorant of what we have through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So it says, resist him steadfast. So remember, we're not interpreting this word resist means to fight against him. We're talking about setting ourselves in opposition. And how do we do that? We do that in faith. In other words, the more we bring ourselves to a true faith in the finished work of Jesus, then the more we are in fact set in opposition to the devil. And so, you know, you jump again to 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12. And, you know, Peter says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust that war against your soul. So it's really the soul, the mind, the emotions, and ultimately affecting the will where the battleground is fought. The battleground is not fought up in the heavenlies, screaming at the devil up in the heavenlies. You know, I always tell people, our job isn't to pull the devil out of the air. Our job is to get him out of people and into the air. If the devil's floating around in the air, he ain't hurting anybody because he can't do anything in planet Earth apart from a willing person. So our warfare is our battlefield. And, you know, we've talked about 2 Corinthians 10, 4, where it talks about casting down these arguments. That word arguments has to do with logical arguments and extrapolations and calculations. So the mind, the intellectual mind provides the logical arguments for how we're going to see the devil, how we're going to turn him into a bigger than life being. So question number one, and you want to write these down and answer them. Do I realize 
that the warfare is only in my mind because of what I believe. Now, again, I can't go into it in this. I don't have time in this series on this broadcast, but I'll be talking about this and showing this from the Bible. The devil can't put a thought in your mind. Now, I know right now you're just blown over. Where are you saying these evil thoughts come from? Well, listen, all these evil thoughts come out of our own heart, out of our own mind, based on what we have been taught, based on, on what we believe. And so, According to the Bible, the battlefield is the mind. When we have desires, the battlefield then is, will I fulfill these desires the way God says to fulfill them and have the ultimate quality of life that God promises, or will I fulfill these desires in a way that I think works for me? Am I going to be sneaky and dishonest and manipulative and, and you know all of these kinds of things? But once our intellectual mind creates a, a concept then our emotions support that concept and our argument becomes very subjective. So one of the questions you might want to ask yourself is, how many of my beliefs about the devil are based on some subjective experience? In other words, I heard a noise outside, I felt a chill run up my back, and I was paralyzed with fear. So all I know is the devil put fear in me. Well, you know something, that is a subjective experience where you have exalted your personal experience over the knowledge of God. So remember, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And the weapons get down to personal, subjective, logical arguments opposed to the knowledge of God. And if I'm going to submit to God and align myself with God, therefore resist the direction that the devil's moving in, then I have to pull down these strongholds. That stronghold has nothing to do with the devil. The stronghold, according to this scripture, is in your mind because I'm going to pull down the stronghold and here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to cast down arguments, imaginations, subjective reasons, calculations, and I'm not pulling anything down out of the air. I'm not fighting with the devil. I am dealing with what's in my mind that is opposed to the knowledge of God. So I'm going to cast down or pull down these arguments, these imaginations, these logical equations that I've developed, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And I'm going to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. In other words, this is where I'm saying it's only what Jesus has accomplished through his obedience, through his death, burial, and resurrection. That's the only reality that I have to know. You know, there's a, a million questions about the devil I can't answer, but I got news for you. When I was standing in the middle of the jungle in, in the Philippines, when I was in the mountains in Mexico, or when I was in the crusade field in Honduras, when I was in all of these places where witch doctors and people came and they had killed other preachers by chanting curses on them. I didn't know all the ins and outs of how that happened and what those people gave into to cause them to die. Here's the one thing I knew is that Jesus conquered the devil. I'm in him. He can't touch me without touching him and he can't touch him. So then you got to ask yourself, am I basing every aspect of spiritual warfare on the fact that I'm in Jesus and he's already won the battle? Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. 
be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.